chapter 20 and Matthew 20, and I'll read the first uh, 16 verses, so starting in verse 1. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard. And whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. Again he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers, and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own. Is thine eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. And I'll just pray before I continue. Lord, I just want to, again, commit this time to you. I want to, Lord, that you would be honored in the things that I say concerning this passage this morning, Lord. Um, We're grateful again for this ministry that Christ had and for the wisdom of his words and his teaching. Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged this morning, that we would have a a better understanding of you and your goodness, Lord, from our time together. And so, Lord, we just commit this to you and just ask for your help in Christ's name. Amen. I look at this passage and I'm reminded of several instances through my life. Um, one, I was um, working, I was guiding dog sledding for this, this a small company, it was just a couple running this business out of, out of their home. I literally lived in their home with them and we would guide dog sledding trips and we'd have these prospector tents set up and we had two different camps set up and we could go for about five days on these trips with people and take up to 10 or so people on these trips. And I believe it was my second year guiding with them. Uh, There was a college student from Sir Sanford Fleming College in in Lindsay. He was in the forestry program and they have to do a, a work placement and he managed to somehow justify coming and guiding dog sledding 
to the college as, as his work placement, which was a fantastic way of doing your work placement. But So he came up and he spent, um, I don't remember how long, at least a couple months working with me doing that job. And dog sledding sounds fun and easy. You know, you just get to stand on the back of the sled and ride, right? Um, prior to me starting doing that job, uh, I was guiding canoe trips. And the guy that had worked there prior to me, and he was moving on, commented to me as I was considering doing that job. He says, guiding dog sledding is like guiding a group of 10 Americans on a canoe trip. <laughs> and I had to think about that for a minute, but his point was... They expect you to do everything. <laughs> they expect to be treated. You know, you're going to cook their food and you're going to serve it to them. You're going to do the dishes. You're going to set up their tents and you're going to just, you're going to gather the firewood and make the campfire and you're going to do everything. <laughs> um, often guiding canoe trips, you know, I, you'd get people of all fitness levels in all ages and we're carrying heavy equipment and there's portages sometimes a kilometer, a kilometer and a half long. These people couldn't carry the stuff. <laughs> and so I'd carry three or four canoes across the portage and three or four big heavy packs. So I, I kind of, as I thought about what he's saying, I, I, I kind of started to get the picture, like, this is a lot of work. Because you have to take care of not only the people, but now you're taking care of the dogs as well. Um, and these people don't know how to handle the dogs. And so when it comes to hooking up 50 dogs, to these five or however many sleds that we're going to be using, I'm doing every running back and forth, dog after dog after dog, hooking all this stuff up and then releasing, and I'll be breaking trail. I remember, remember one trip, and it was only a, a foot of fresh snow on the ground, but as a front lead team, you can't, the dogs just can't pull that whole load through that fresh snow, and so when you're standing as dead weight on the sled. And so I spent most of the day trudging in the snow behind the sled, helping out with the dogs. And when the guy behind me decides, I should help out. So I, he offered to take my place at the lead sled for a while. And I don't know how long he did it for, but he went till he was exhausted and traded back with me. And later on, he says, I thought I was in shape. I'm watching you up there all day, trudging along, and I thought, oh, that, I can do that. I go to the gym three times a week, and I'm, I'm in good shape. He says, no. <laughs> it's a lot of work. My point being, it's a lot of work. And so this student, who thought he was coming up to basically have this great experience, and it was a great experience, but it was a lot of work. This placement that he went to, and you know about the college placement, you don't get paid for most of those. So the, the arrangement was that he came and that's part of his schooling and they didn't have to pay him. But at the end of his placement, he kind of felt like as he's watching me get paid doing the same job that he's doing, he kind of felt entitled to get some kind of pay. But that wasn't the agreement. The agreement is we, get, we sign off for your college placement, and this is what you get. And so he had this dissatisfaction. Even though he agreed to work for no money, but for the experience and for the signature on his college, 
completion thing there, he was dissatisfied that he didn't receive more at the end. And it's just kind of this picture of these guys who agreed for this amount of money, and yet at the end they felt like they should have got more because of something else that they saw. I had another guy, um, I was running, uh, we bought Jen's dad's garage, we ran that for five years, and I had a, an apprentice working for me, and he was there for, for quite a while. Um, he came right out of college, I guess he took the automotive course at the college and did his two-week placement with me at the garage, and we hired him after the end of that two weeks. And so he worked for me for quite a while, and then he went to trade school and whatnot. But after a while, he felt entitled to a raise. And I noticed the speed and effort getting put into his work was diminishing. <laughs> he wasn't working as hard anymore. He never actually came to me and asked for the raise, <laughs> but he felt he deserved it because of the time and you know, he's getting better at his job and whatnot. But he stopped putting in the effort because he felt like he deserved more money. And so one day I had to go and tell him, that's not how you get a raise here. <laughs> you, have, you, you get a raise, well, first you may want to mention to me that you think you should get one. But you have to show me that you're worth it. You have to work harder to get that raise. And so even though he had agreed to work for this pay, he was no longer satisfied working for that amount of pay. But his way of hoping to get more wasn't the right way of going about it. And I just find like there's so many times where we're very much like these people. There was one other thing that came to mind, and I don't remember it becoming an issue for me. Um, but somewhere while we were running that garage, Ontario decided they were going to increase minimum wage. Substantially. It was like $11 or so an hour, and they were going up, I think they were talking about 15 but they ended up around $14 an hour. Which is significant as an employer who pays minimum wage. Um, and I just remember thinking through this. Can you imagine You've hired somebody at minimum wage and they've been working for a year now and you've given them a raise. Maybe they're, if you started at $11 an hour, maybe they're at 12, 12 and a half, even $13 an hour. And now the government raises minimum wage to 14. And I also need another new worker. And so this guy automatically gets his raise up to the 14, but the new person that I hire also gets 14 an hour. This guy who's been working for me all this time and has all this experience and has worked for his raises is going to feel there's an injustice here that this new person is getting exactly what they're getting. So as an employer, do I now have to give all of my employees that same level of raise to be fair? Well, I, my comment regarding that minimum wage, I said, well, if I have to hire somebody at minimum wage, they're going to stay at minimum wage for a really long time. <laughs> because I couldn't afford what this new minimum wage was, 
And they're a new employee in a garage, for the most part, breaks more than they're worth. <laughs> they cost you more than, than what their wage is, for the most part, for things that they break. They're not worth that. And so it's going to take a long time before they make up the difference and actually start producing something of value for the company. But you get these circumstances, and we look at it, and you just, just picture that point where you've had somebody working for this amount of time, earning a raise periodically, and trying to get up to that point, and then a new hire who we know is not going to produce their worth, but gets paid the same. And we feel like there's an injustice there. But is there actually an injustice there? Well, we look at this description that Jesus gives, and it's interesting, he gives quite a lengthy, kind of like what I just did, description of this circumstance, that this guy hires these people, and they, they have this back and forth on what the wage should be, and we're going to work for a penny for the day. It's a 12-hour work day, and we're going to, you're going to work from now until then, and I'll pay you this. But the field is big. There's more work to be done. I need more workers. So he goes back, and he finds some more people, and he offers them, well, the day ends at such and such a time. You can work from now till then, and I'll pay you. And it's interesting, he doesn't say what he's going to pay them. I don't know if it was agreed upon or not. Maybe this is still just theoretical, so it doesn't matter. But And he does this so, several times, even up until the last hour. If our workday ends at 6 o'clock, he's, he's out there at 5 o'clock, and he hires this last few guys. He says, there's still more work, there's another hour yet to go, go work for an hour, and I'll pay you. And at the end of the day, they line up, and he tells the steward, pay the guy that I hired last first. And so everybody else sees. You've been working there for 12 hours, and you see this guy that was only there for an hour get paid the penny that you agreed to in the morning. And it comes down the line, and when it's your turn to get paid, you think, well, surely he's going to pay me more. He's paid that guy that only worked an hour what I agreed at the beginning of the day. He must be going to pay me more. And he doesn't. He pays him the penny. And then I'm angry because I received what I agreed to in the morning. <laughs> that is so normal for us. We're so twisted in our heads of what is right and what, is, what we're deserving. We need to understand, from a gospel perspective, I deserve hell. <laughs> That is all I deserve. So anything good that I get outside of that, wow, what a blessing. And yet we're never satisfied with, we think we deserve more. We deserve some goodness in our life, and we really don't. But we, we have this problem of comparing ourselves with what somebody else is getting. And we think, regardless of what I agreed to, we think that we should get more because somebody else got maybe just equal to what I received and they didn't work as hard for it or something like that. It's just wrong. <laughs> and Jesus makes that point very clearly here. 
He answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didn't you agree with me for the penny? Take that thine is and go thy way. I can do with my money whatever I want. I can pay these other guys whatever I want to pay them. It's nothing to do with me and you. We agreed on this wage and you got your wage. And he says, Is thine eye evil because I am good? Think about that. Like, I can be generous with what's mine. As an employer, I had a, a young lady working for me for a while, a single mom. I didn't give her special treatment, but I could have, right? I could have looked at her circumstance and said, I'm going to pay her more because she has more need. And it would be perfectly within my right to pay her that extra. And yet, I bet you this other guy, if, he had, if I was doing that and he found out that she's getting paid more than him, he would think there was an injustice done, but would there be an injustice done? Well, no. I'm just being generous where I want to be generous. And he's working for a fair wage, and yet he gets angry, right? feels it's unjust because he feels like he deserves more. We point all this out, but really all of this isn't the point of what Jesus is saying. <laughs> the very first words in the beginning of this statement is, for the kingdom of heaven is like. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm supposed to take this and we can understand this, can't we? Like, everybody here understands everything I've just said and how we feel about these things. But he says the kingdom of heaven is like this. Remember, um, in Luke 23, we'll just turn there. And this is, Jesus is being crucified. And there's two other guys being crucified at the same time. Luke 23, verse 39, says, And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Can you imagine? This guy has spent his entire life as a criminal. I don't know what exactly he has done. But he's probably been a pickpocket. He's probably stolen this and that and done all kinds of mischievous things to the point where he recognizes that he deserves to die. This torturous death that he's dying. He says, I deserve it. We're here justly. He was completely unrepentant about that lifestyle up until that moment. He lived his entire life as a criminal of some sort. And in his dying moments, 
moments before his death, he turns to Christ, acknowledges him as God, who says, Lord, remember me. And Jesus says, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. You get the full reward. That last moment of your life, you can turn to Christ and have everything forgiven. There's Christians who were born in Christian homes, were raised in a Christian family, raised in Sunday school, went to Bible college, go on the mission field, sacrifice their whole lives, do everything in life for the sake of the gospel. Never did a bad thing in their life. Well, <laughs> from an outward appearance in any case. Right? You never, never drank. You know, I never been on to parties. Never smoked. I never, you know, I never fooled around with the girls. And you know, all this stuff that we point to. All this. But they've lived their entire life, this clean life, serving God. Not doing any worldly things. Do they really get the exact same reward? The exact same reward. You know those Christians back in the Middle Ages that were being beheaded and burned at the stake, tortured? Oh, right, that's not just the Middle Ages, is it? happening today I occasionally hear reports um, Afghanistan and Iraq and, and different places where I think it was a pastor of a some Baptist pastor in, in one of these places this past week or so was killed because of being a Christian in that country do you know he receives the same reward that this guy on the cross received this guy being killed justly for the crimes that he's committed compared to this Christian who refused to deny Christ and died because he's serving Christ received the same reward. It's not unjust. That's just showing God's goodness. That's how loving and caring God is. And God, we read this story, the, the owner of the vineyard goes out time and again, says, I need more people. <laughs> and that's what the Bible describes to us. Is God's not slack concerning his promise, but he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. He says, I need more. <laughs> and our job is to go out and get more. <laughs> get more people. And it doesn't matter at what stage in their life, it doesn't matter what they've done, the gospel still applies, and they still get the reward of eternity with Christ. They, they get to escape hell. That's the goodness of God. And we have this twisted idea in our head that the more I do, the more I deserve, and we teach to an, to an extent. There's various scriptures that teach us 
that there's rewards for us doing service for God. But you know, those rewards aren't, it's not for us. It's not that I get a better eternity than that thief on the cross if I go through all this service for God, if I, if I suffer all this stuff for, for living for God and I suffer for it. I don't get a better eternity than this guy on the cross. I get the same eternity. I just get at the judgment. As far as, as, far as I can gather from Scripture, is there's a crown of all these different things that we can receive a crown for. And what do we do with the crown? We just throw it at Jesus' feet because I don't deserve anything. I'm useless. It's all him. And I just get the blessing of occasionally God doing something through me, through my fumbling and foolishness. Somebody comes to know him. It's not that I deserve anything. It's like that verse that I read this morning in, in Psalms. If you build the house, if you're doing it without, without him, it's going to fall. It's useless. It's pointless. It's in vanity. And we need to understand that those rewards that we receive, it's really his. The rewards that we're working for is just for his glory, not for my glory. This goes so against everything that scripture teaches. It's like, it's not for my glory. I'm not doing anything for recognition for me. And if I'm doing it for recognition for me, any recognition I get is my reward. And I don't get any reward from, from God for it. It's completely opposite of the way that we grow up thinking. We need to wrap our heads around this idea that I'm worthless. Anything I do, if any good comes of it, it's because of God, not because of me. And so if it's because of God and not because of me, then I haven't increased my worth. Just like this workers in this field haven't increased their worth. <laughs> the reward is the same because it's what the good man of the hopes has promised. We'll close with that. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask that you would help us to understand this concept of how good you are and that we need to just be satisfied with that. We should be satisfied with whatever state we're in. Whatever wage that we've agreed to work for, we need to learn to be satisfied with that and not worry about what others are earning and what others are receiving. We should be able to be glad for them and not be filled with envy and covetousness, Lord. So help us to work in our hearts to that end. Lord, help us to be grateful that we can receive salvation through the sacrifice that Christ made for us. Help us to realize that there is nothing that we can do for that, that it is only what Christ has done. And simply through faith in his finished work, Lord. So we're grateful for that. We ask you blessing again on our time here this morning. In Christ's name, amen.